0: Today's sponsor is Every Plate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that there were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, Every Plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste. You know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let EveryPlate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. EveryPlate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try Every Plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE 179 Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrifol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months in a clinical study. 86% Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE.
1: We also want to look at the
0: defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should.
1: On today's episode, we are talking about sleep and yep. how, oh yeah, how it can either be make you the happiest person ever or make you feel like you're living in a personal hell. This is true. This is true. We are talking about introversion versus extroversion. And we're gonna be looking into the Myers Briggs personality test just a little bit. And we are also gonna talk about women who shave
0: their faces. Kind of scandalous, but I'm actually super excited to talk about that one. <laughs> it's very popular, it's becoming all of the rage. Oh, it's a thing. It is, it's a, a thing. thing. It's a thing. It's a thing, and it's a super fluffy topic, but I'm actually really (laughs) excited to talk about it. (laughs) I am,
1: too. I am, too. But first, we have to delve into the big topic, the topic du jour, sleep. Sleep, which is a really big freaking deal. It is such a big deal, and I feel like there's probably a hundred podcasts out there that are solely devoted to sleep, so we're going to try to get as much in as we can, but... Um, I think last year, remember when Ariana Huffington's book came out?
0: Oh, yeah. She wrote a book about sleep. Well, first, I think the TED Talk was first. She did a TED Talk on sleep. It went crazy. Everybody was sharing it like, oh, my gosh. And then she wrote an entire bestseller on sleep, which I own and read. But, you know, it's so funny when we talk about sleep. It almost seems absurd because it's a practically involuntary action. It's something everyone does. And yet it is super difficult for many of us.
1: Super difficult. And especially when you start hyper fixating, on getting yes. the right sleep. And that was her that was she had some really compelling arguments in the book about how it's just truly paramount for your mental well being your emotional well being all of that. Um, and she really basically said, by Getting your sleep in order, you can, quote unquote, take back control of your life, which seems well, very dramatic.
0: It is very dramatic, but let's talk about some of those actual health ramifications. Like, let's talk about the science part of sleep for a second, and then I think we should dive into, you and I have both had really terrible experiences okay. around sleep and insomnia, um, which I think is true for a lot of people. But Absolutely. So... It's not just Ariane Huffington who believes that sleep is important. I mean, you know, national literature on sleep does indicate that it can affect everything from the way that our heart functions to our immune system. Um, It can affect our weight, which is kind of scary, you know, and then obviously it can affect our emotions and our ability to regulate our emotions, our ability to think clearly, to process well. It's a big deal. It is a huge deal.
1: And I think all of the things you just mentioned,
0: it's its so true.
1: And emotionally, physically, all of it, if you're not sleeping well, things are not good. Let's just put it that no. way. Things, things are, are not things good. Things are not good. So when did you start experiencing issues with sleep?
0: Well, Sarah, sadly, <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing a doctor about my insomnia when I was in grade school. no. So I have always struggled with sleep, with with falling to sleep. Um, I run anxious, which, you know, I think this is something that is relevant for a lot of people who deal with anxiety, but I always struggled with sleep and I have ebbed and flowed throughout my life. Um, And to be honest, before I had kids, I could kind of mitigate my sleep issues by I would just sleep in, you know. I might have trouble falling asleep, but I would sleep in. Right, right. But then once I had kids, it's like, you got to be up. You got to you gotta be up to take them to school. And so if you can't figure out your sleep issues, you're kind of in trouble. And so I can absolutely attest to sleep affecting um, my emotional stability. When I don't have enough sleep, I can spiral into depression and anxiety. Um, I'm irritable with my <laughs> <Yeah. your> kids. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I mean, I also think that any parent automatically deals with sleep issues.
1: Oh, absolutely. That first, well, they call it what? The fourth trimester. When you have this right? brand new baby that's on the clock feeding 24 hours a day on and off. And for a lot of people who are lucky enough to not have dealt with sleep issues before, this is like throwing them to the wolves. Yes, and, And so there's all the hormones going on. Let's just take away all of what's going on in a woman's body after giving birth. Which Which, is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. But then you throw not sleeping in there. And it's no wonder we're all walking around like absolute zombies. Right.
0: Zombies, but also we're emotional. And we are, you know, not thinking clearly. And we are maximizing, you know, You know, you you are less able to deal with life's curveballs when you're running on less sleep.
1: You know, I've been lucky enough as a child and really almost all the way through college in my 20s, I slept pretty well. It wasn't something I ever really thought about. I just went to sleep. I woke up. I've always been a really super early riser. But... It was not an issue I had until the summer of the summer of 2013. (laughs) I remember it so vividly.
0: (laughs) Well, I remember it too, Sarah. (laughs) You know, it's funny because I do feel like just, you know, to give a little backstory to our friendship. I do feel like when you that was probably when we started getting closer. Yes. Because you were really dealing with insomnia in a horrible way. And I had dealt with it too. And so, you know, we were, that was kind of a, I I feel like a marker in our friendship where, you know, we kind of dived a little deeper into, you know, it threw me for an utter loop.
1: Essentially what happened was one night in June, I didn't sleep. Then I woke up the next morning and thought, well, that's kind of odd. And I kind of feel like right now, but you know, getting on with my day. And then the next night, I didn't sleep. And then the next night I didn't sleep. And it, turned out that entire summer, I didn't sleep, I would pass out from exhaustion at 5am. And then I'd get up with my kids at 630. And I, it was horrible. It was yeah. absolutely horrible. And you know me, Kristen, I read all the books, I saw all the you doctors, do. I took all the supplements, I did the meditation. You did. I did it all. I you did, did it all. And I could not go to sleep. And it was Completely baffling and now looking back I think it was definitely something chemical that just you know is like a switch in my brain went off but it was so scary and it actually led me down this a horrible period of my life of anxiety and depression that I didn't come out of till a year later I started sleeping you know about three months later but that was kind of the start of just all the mental distress that not sleeping for three months will do to a person talk about absolutely
0: you know yeah and that is what it feels like. I mean, if anyone's dealt with insomnia, or even if you've dealt with a situation where you couldn't sleep, whether it was your, your kids kept waking you up in the middle of the night or a barking dog, it does feel torturous. And in fact, it is a form of torture. <laughs> sleep is. deprivation literally is a form of torture. <laughs> it so is. So it, it really can mess with you.
1: And I think the answer is different for everyone. because I'm sure people are wondering, well, like, what happened? What happened to make it? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Well, you know, after my thousand books that I read and all of my Mm -hmm. supplements literally lining my counters, my wonderful physician just said, We have to reset your brain. That's what's going to have to happen. And we we have a chemical issue and we're going to have to address it chemically. At that point, I was really spinning in an anxiety spiral. And she said, You need to take a Xanax, a very small dose of Xanax before you go to sleep or before you attempt to go to sleep at night. And I think that's going to help curb this anxiety and this horrible, you know, cyclone that I had created in my own head to which I responded, I could never take a Xanax because if I do, I'll become addicted and then my life, I'll lose everything and I'll end up in a yes. sleeping bag underneath an underpass for the rest of my life because, you know, I'll thrown it all away. And I remember her looking at me and just saying, Sarah, you are the only person in Southern California that I'm going to have to beg to take a Xanax <laughs> was like, but I pushed
0: back did I not I pushed back for oh, probably Sarah, a month I mean, and a half it was ridiculous yes it I think was I was. was asking you to get on the sedative train oh for a gosh. while too and it took
1: me a long time but finally in August when I thought okay things are not good I can't even relate to my family I can't take care of my kids I can barely drive you can imagine right so I did I took this little baby dose of Xanax and what do you know I fell asleep and I had to do Mm -hmm. that for a couple of weeks to get my body right and my brain right again. And then when I was sleeping again, I just stopped taking them. And that was that.
0: (laughs) But you know what? I do want to put on my therapist hat for a second because I, your fears while we are laughing about them, you know, I did work in recovery for a long time. And these sedatives like Xanax, Valium, Ativan, they can be very addictive it's a tough balance to figure out, you know, how do I start to get to sleep? And do I need a sedative to do so if it's because my brain is running circles at night, you know, and so it's like, for some people, you can take a sedative for a little bit, kind of reset, get back. But for other people, it can become super addictive. Sedatives are hard. And then it's, it's hard on the user end, too, because I also, like I said, have struggled with anxiety and insomnia my whole life so when I go in and ask for a sedative I'm sometimes treated like a drug seeker you know and they will look me up in the system and see how many I've taken in the past year it's it's a controlled substance it's a you know when you get that prescription they can't call it in you've got to carry that triplicate into the pharmacy I mean it's kind of a serious thing yes so you know I I don't want, to, you know, while I would recommend that anyone who is really struggling with sleep talk to their doctor, you do have to be mindful of the exact same thing that you were mindful of, which is it could lead to bad things.
1: Yeah, here, I'm not saying at all that it's not I me. Mean, it is highly Xanax can be highly addictive. Um, yeah. And, you know, you just have different personality types. And I think my my doctor at that point knew me well enough to say, You don't have an addictive personality type for this kind of thing. (laughs) I had like a little calendar. I had like a (laughs) calendar in my journal that I like mark a little X every time I took it. You know, you know, just that's not going to happen. But it is. But you're right. Even if you um, are going to use it responsibly, you're going to have to deal with that kind of feeling of shame. Like, if I have to get a refill or something Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like the head down I don't know but otherwise it's not sleeping and I am no physician but I remember my doctor talking me about the difference between that and let's say Ambien and she said you know for her it just felt for my specific situation to be the better choice opposed to an Ambien that you know just can really knock you out and the next day you're feeling completely groggy because it has a much longer half-life and all of those things so yeah it's it's very much a personal decision.
0: Yeah. And let's talk quickly about the difference between the two. So as you mentioned, you know, an, an Advan Xanax, those are sedatives. So they have a shelf life in your body of about four to six hours in terms of, you know, kind of, sh- you know, slowing the brain down, slowing the anxiety down. So if, if you have sleep issues around overthinking at night, that would be good. But then there's Ambien or Lunestra, which are more um, for the entire night, you know, exactly. so if you have the issue of waking up in the middle of the night.
1: So I don't think Ariane, did she talk much
0: about pharmaceuticals in the book? She didn't. And, you know, I, I think she, was addre- she wasn't she was addressing so much folks like us who have insomnia. I think she was addressing more so the people, which is also me, who struggle with just the self-care aspect of sleep, of Absolutely. putting themselves to bed, which is hard, which is crazy because, like many self-care things, we know it's good for us. So why don't we do it? Why don't we put ourselves to bed at night?
1: Why don't we do that? And that leads right into her 12 tips for better sleep, which I think a lot of us have heard a lot of these tips over and over and, you know, how they work for each person. It's just kind of a crapshoot, obviously keeping the bedroom dark, quiet and cool. And I do think, you know, Kristen, we were talking about this a couple of days ago that the bedroom is a very big deal. What's going on in the bedroom can really affect whether or not you're getting good sleep or not. Yes, so I completely agree. I, you know, I like to keep it super cool in there, like really cold. <laughs> I feel like I sleep a lot better in there. But the whole screen thing, you know, she talks a lot about, you know, um, no screens in the room at all. Well, let's, let's fess up. I mean, okay, do you yeah. follow that? No, because I'll tell you why. Because my iPhone sits right next to my bed because it's my white noise machine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i also have my iphone right by my bed I which i know is you're not supposed to do that
1: not supposed to do that she says right here even better gently escort all devices completely out of your bedroom but i will tell you i am a white noise devotee i love you, white we, both noise. Are. we
0: both love our white noise
1: if something happens on my phone in the middle of the night and it stops i will immediately wake up <laughs> which I don't think that's a good thing <laughs> I can't sleep without white noise and my kids I my poor kids they have white noise so they'll probably never be able to sleep without it but I just have to I have to drown out all sounds I'm a very light sleeper
0: yeah, I, I am very much the same way, which is nice. When the, the times you and I have shared a hotel room, <laughs> we both just turn it up super loud. <laughs> we do. It's
1: like you walk into this like vortex of whoosh into our room. Yes, but it's very helpful. So you know, she talked about keeping the bedroom dark, quiet, and cool. No, lips, not having, having a TV in the bedroom. Right. Not having. I have a TV in the bedroom, although. We don't watch a lot of TV at my house. Um, Sometimes I'll binge watch a Netflix show or something like that. But um, I felt, especially when I was dealing with the insomnia, that the TV just kind of kept me from feeling super lonely and scared and lost in the middle of the night, (laughs) which probably (laughs) wasn't a good idea. But I I just felt so lonely.
0: I do think there is something to that. I think when you're really dealing with insomnia and you get woken up in the middle of the night and you start doing the countdown of like, no, I'm only going to get four hours of sleep and (laughs) your brain goes crazy. Sometimes you just need to watch a little, you know, Jimmy Fallon or something. Exactly.
1: It's more just getting your mind off of it, getting your mind off. Because that was, I think that is what drove me to complete madness was I was so hyper fixated on the fact that I couldn't sleep that I couldn't sleep. You know, I thought about it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think,
0: I don't know, like I've always been anti-TV in the bedroom too, just because I think it is a damper on intimacy because I think if you're falling asleep to TV shows, I don't know, like, right. you know, if you have a partner, it's probably maybe better to talk, yeah. <laughs> have human interaction, <laughs> do other bedroom activities. You know, I just think the TV becomes a a way to avoid that. Well, absolutely.
1: And I think we've joked that, well, many people joke, my husband has what we call TV-induced narcolepsy. And any single time, he does. Any time a show comes on the television or a movie screen or anything, he falls asleep within two minutes. Yeah, even even a Broadway play. So it doesn't have to be a screen so much. It's just I really I don't understand what that is all about. But we don't have that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast. I don't really know what's going on with that. Um, So, but you know, she said once again, your bed is for your is for sleep and sex only. No working in the bed. How many times, Kristen, have you? possibly written a blog post while sitting in your bed. I know I have um, many How many times. times have
0: I recorded I'm literally in my bedroom right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> I know.
1: Well, and I think that maybe we should touch back on this when we look into introversion because I think that has a bit something to say. Dustin always makes it my, uh, Dustin, my yeah. husband always makes the comment how I always kind of retreat into my bedroom even like in meetings mm-hmm. because it's quiet, it's dark, I don't want to be around a lot of people or a lot of loud noises. So, yeah. um, but it is true. Sleep and sex only. That is what yeah. Mrs. Huffington says.
0: Well, that's what she says. Although I do want to say, make a small point here with her advice. A lot of it is steeped in privilege and assumes that you have the resources, the lifestyle. I mean, I, I do think a lot of people get sleep because their lives are such that they can't, you know, it's, it, Maybe they have, you know, a kid that sleeps in their bed or maybe they have a job where they really have to work at night. You know, so I I just want to honor that reality, too, that some of this is just not possible for everyone.
1: I think that's a really, really good point.
0: I think we tend to be performance over relationship or achievement over relationship. Mm -hmm which would be an interesting actual, actually would be an interesting topic to look at. But, you know, I think our culture in America tends to be we're looking at what have we done versus who have we connected with.
1: But I do. I do have to say that I think that any sort of meditation, any sort of light yoga before you go to sleep, just kind of letting the body wind down mm-hmm.
0: is very helpful I it agree and helpful. it doesn't need to be a yoga class. It's you can oh, no. do some stretches in your bedroom. Right. Stretch and I do think that you know it's you know what's funny is I'm sure you did this too but when my children were small, you know we had a kind of a, a leading up to sleep routine. And so you know, we'd give a bath and we'd read a book and they'd drink a special drink and we'd mm-hmm. cuddle and then they'd go to bed. But it was, you know, a good 20, 30 minutes of leading up to sleep in order to ensure that they sleep well. And it's funny that we won't apply that to ourselves as adults. Oh, absolutely not. And I think it we'll goes do right all this for our kids. I know. And then, you know, I'll do all that for my kids. And then I'm like scrolling through Facebook in my bed and then like, wait, why can't I sleep right now? <laughs> this very minute exactly. <laughs> of course I can't sleep right now no
1: and I think that just covers all of the issues right there with self care and being a parent right what yeah. you said you could apply that to anything that it's always oh my gosh. especially as moms kids always coming first oh my kids set they've got everything going homework's done clothes are set out we've got the lunches for the next day everything you know I'm giving all this but you know that's about it when it comes to us. Because oh my gosh, I mean, well, how I mean, much more can you give?
0: <laughs> totally, and that is absolutely my problem. I mean, something, and and one of the compelling reasons that we wanted to do this podcast is I really find for myself, my self care is the very last on the list, and my kids are well taken care of, right? But but myself, I am I am very last on the list, so yeah. it sometimes doesn't happen at all. I've
1: got I've gotten pretty. Uh, I've really tried to change that for myself the past year. And I've gotten a little bit better. And it's really interesting watching my kids watch me take care of myself. And, you know, because I think it conveys a very positive um, message to the kids that, you know, I'm taking care of myself too.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And even on this topic, I mean, my mother did not have good self-care habits at all, mm-hmm. but she really failed around putting herself to bed. And I remember my mom would stay up really late. She'd stay up late watching TV or playing solitaire on the computer, um, and she modeled that for me. She modeled, you know, doing distracting things instead of going to bed. And I think she did that because she was depressed and anxious, and she mm-hmm. didn't want to. She didn't want to be alone with her own thoughts, which I think is another reason some people stay up. You're running away from. For problems, when you finally lay down to bed, that, that sometimes can be the time our brain taps us on the shoulder and goes, um, hey, like, remember this problem? Remember this thing you were trying not to think about when you watched Bachelor in Paradise for two hours? <laughs> Let's ruminate on that now at 1 a.m. Let's think about totally. it. Totally, Let's just think about it for a while. A hundred percent, which is why I do think that meditating during the day help sleep at night because it forces you to kind of confront some of those Mm -hmm. issues that you that you may be pushing out of your brain all day long so that it's not because really I do feel like sometimes I have a come to Jesus moment when I lay my head down on the pillow like oh all these things I haven't been thinking about today oh yes oh yes and you know all these problems when you mention
1: meditation it does make me think of you know the calm app. If you yes. ever used that before, okay. I love that app. I mean, I used Headspace for um, for several years, and then I just kind of wanted a change, and I switched over to Calm, and that's what I use in the morning when I meditate. But they have really cool sleep stories on that app. Yeah, have you seen those um, yes. stories and such that you can kind of just drift off to at night. So it's not necessarily meditation in the traditional sense of meditating, but it is definitely takes your brain somewhere else. I love that app.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's a really good app. And you know what, we will pop that up on our website, um, selfiepodcast.com if you want to check that app out. And we'll put another we'll put a couple sleep apps up if you want to check them. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know, the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club razor kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's a A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with a promo code SELFIE for 20% off. Anywhere. That's S E L F I E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. Okay, Okay, so
1: since we, you know, really like hanging out in our bedrooms so much, this is probably the perfect time to talk about some introversion
0: issues. Well, you know what? To segue, I want to talk for a second. I want to get into the Myers-Briggs stuff, but I do want to talk for a second about introversion and sleep because I think that this can be related, and I'll speak for myself as an introvert. I know often one of the reasons I don't put myself to bed is because I crave that alone time, and sometimes when everyone has gone to bed is the only time I can actually get it.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, it's funny because it is such a double-edged sword because in essence that is your own self-care because you're giving yourself that time on your it's own It's what you need to fuel but it's keeping you awake. It and is keeping you from sleeping. You know it how, is. how
0: how do you deal with that? It's really tough because you know I will t- I will feel like crap all day long for not having gotten good sleep and I'll tell myself all day you've got to sleep tonight. Tonight you're going to sleep. And then everyone goes to bed and I get like my precious, like, you know, I I am alone. I don't want (laughs) to let go of this. I'm alone. You know, I just, and it's so refueling. That time is so refueling. And it's hard for me to, to, talk myself into, like, well, sleep is refueling, too. Oh, right, right, because you don't have any alone time during the day. No, so I get scarcity model about it. Like, I want this time (laughs) to myself. It'll never happen again. (laughs) Now, looking at the glass half full, optimist side,
1: I would say that as your kids continue to get older that's going to be something that you won't have to be dealing with as much because, you know, they're not going to want to be around you at all.
0: (laughs) This is true. I just literally took my son to middle school for the first day, and he could not have expressed more that he did not want my presence there. Like he walked, I'm not kidding, he walked 10 feet ahead of me into the school because, you know, it's so embarrassing to have parents when you're in middle school. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah, you don't want anyone to know you have parents. All right, so let's dive into, a little further into personality types. And today we're gonna look at introversion versus extroversion. So when we talk about personality types, we're gonna talk for the next four weeks about the different Myers-Briggs personality types. If you've never taken a Myers-Briggs test, I highly recommend it. We're gonna put a link up to a free online test onto our um, website at selfiepodcast.com. But Myers-Briggs looks at four different quadrants of personality. Um, They look at the first is whether you're introverted versus extroverted. The second is whether you're intuitive versus sensing. And we're going to talk about that one next week because it's fascinating. The third is if you are a thinking or feeling person. And the fourth is whether you're judging or perceiving. And all of these together create your type. So, for example, I am an INFJ. Mm -hmm. And And what are you, Sarah? I'm an ISFJ. So we're very similar. We're similar. So we're going to find out next week what that difference is between
1: the two of us um, also i we will put up the link to the Myers Briggs test there's a lot of different um websites you can go to looking at this stuff the one that i love is have you gone to 16 personalities.com
0: it's my favorite
1: it's my favorite because it's just you know yeah. some of them are very clinical and you can get really yes. bogged down in information and this really just makes it really easy bite-sized pieces to understand your personality and the one thing I have to say quickly about Myers-Briggs that I have probably taken that test seven or eight times in my life, in all different <laughs> times in my life. And I've always thought to myself beforehand, it's going to be different this time. And it has never been different. I have been an ISFJ since the first time I took it as a teenager. So it is a really cool test. You guys really need to take it if you haven't taken it before.
0: Yeah, it really is. And it it really ties into personality. Each of these facets of your personality tie into what kind of self-care you need and the struggles that you're going to face giving yourself that kind of self-care. So, for example introversion versus extroversion introversion doesn't mean that you're shy it doesn't mean that you don't like being around people it doesn't mean that you can't be the life of a party and I think sometimes people confuse outgoing with extroversion and shyness with introversion yes and it really isn't the case at all people who are introverted at the end of the day it's about what you need to refuel and introverts need to be alone to refuel yes is that true for you absolutely
1: Now, I'm an ISFJ, which of the introverted types are the most extroverted introverts. So, for instance, I was in sales for almost two decades. I did really well as a salesperson. I would go out there. I can talk to anyone. You know, I can small talk. I can do it all. You would never think by meeting me that I am an introverted person. No one would ever think that. But for me, when I talk like that, it expels all of my energy. Whereas an extroverted person is at a party, the more people they talk to, they absorb others' energy. So they might leave a party feeling super energized. Whereas I feel completely
0: deflated and I have to go back and be alone to recharge. Well, and I think this is why it's so fascinating to talk about personality types in the context of self-care, because self-care is really specific to each person. Yes. And self-care to me looks like finding alone time and self-care to my extroverted good friend looks like needing to make plans with girlfriends. And it's not that one is bad or not needed, but it's just like when it comes to your bucket is totally empty, you're at the end of yourself. If I'm at the end of myself, I have got to be alone.
1: I, to me, it's, to me I, I am so introverted in that way that I can't even imagine going out and doing something I just I remember coming home from sales conferences and my husband knows I would not even speak for two days. Yeah. Literally, I felt physically ill. My body hurt, I was so achy just because it was so much that you're giving out. So I think it's really important how you point out it really has nothing to do with being perceived as shy or outgoing. It's really no, just, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think another example of that is you and I are both bloggers. Yes. And so, you know, we go to blogging conferences a couple times a year and um, we often go to the same ones. And you and I both have a similar personality. So we will spend that time. And, and it's I love being around other people. And so we, you know, I know you and I go to a blog conference. We hit the ground running. We're going to (laughs) dinner. We're staying up late with our friends, talking into the wee hours. We're networking. We're passing out cards. We're shaking hands. And it's like you and I can both do it and we can pull it off and we can seem very extroverted. Mm -hmm. But we will both have like a hangover. Oh, yeah. yeah, Like an extroversion hangover. It is an extroversion hangover. It hurts. Yeah, We will get home (laughs) and be like, no one look at me.
1: I know. I know. I think that's so true. And it is interesting talking about how self-care looks different for mm-hmm. each of that. Because So what I would love to hear, I don't know on, on our website, SelfiePodcast.com, if you want to leave a comment on this particular episode, but I would love to hear how extroverts feel necessary to take care of themselves. Like how do they do that? Is that just with other people around or is it more alone? Cause I feel like extroverted people would want to be out and around others if maybe like going to a coffee shop and still being around the energy of others, but still relaxing. I don't know. Cause me, I'm like, I don't even want to go to a coffee shop. I don't want to be around people. You know, my husband, yes. it's, it's really interesting cause my husband is very reserved, but he is an mm-hmm. extrovert. He yes, I can see. He loves being around people he, and he's very quiet. So mm-hmm. he will go, I mean, an airport, coffee shop, a mall. He loves because he just sits back and takes it all in. Those places are hell on earth for me. I don't want to be around that much energy. I want to be alone in my room
0: like a hermit. Thank you very much. (laughs) I know. Isn't that so funny? And then I think for introverts who have children, there is that, you know, self-care and children, (laughs) you know, we we love our kids, (laughs) but children are rough on the self-care. And when you're an introvert, I know for me, I managed my introversion fairly well until I had kids. And then Mm -hmm. I was like. These people want to be around me all the time. Um, like, the, I'm never alone. The dreaded playdate. Oh, gosh. And that, too. <laughs> yes, that, too. Um, but I think that is why, you know, because I don't get that alone time that I used to get because I have kids, that's why I stay up too late. That's why I can sometimes um, hermit a little bit and avoid playdates or avoid, you know, the school pickups because I. I'm just tapped out just from being a mom. My introversion limits have, have been reached just from parenting. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, Kristen. It really is. Well, like you said, it is getting better because they're getting older and they don't want to be with me as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And it is about, oh my gosh, I really hate this word. I'm going to say
0: it. Are you ready? Oh no. It is about the balance. It is balance. about the balance, it's about the, the balance, balance. the balance. <laughs> what even is the balance? I think that's the, that's the critical question that we're exploring in this entire podcast. What's balance? <laughs>
1: oh, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know when we find that out. Absolutely. I know. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. Okay. So, is it time to talk about some face shaving? I think we're ready to talk about shaving faces. <laughs> 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 okay. Let's talk about face shaving so we just want to clarify we're talking about lady face shaving lady face shaping okay Sarah why would someone do this okay let me first out point out that women have been doing this for decades for centuries women have been doing this this is nothing new um, it's not really so much an American thing to do, but people all over the world have been doing it. And Marilyn Monroe, Elizabeth Taylor, they shaved their faces, people, they shaved their faces. So I heard about it the first time, probably five or six years ago, I had this beautiful, when I lived in Southern California, my friend Gretchen, I was in my late 30s, she was in her mid, middle 40s, early to mid 40s. And one night we were having cocktails And she told me that she shaved her face. And I i didn't even know, I didn't even know how to react to that. (laughs) But she had the most gorgeous skin. I have to tell you that. Just so clear and smooth. And she was 44. So... I said, please do tell, tell me some more. And she told me that she just would go buy those big bags of um, Gillette razors. She, you know, those like old school little blue ones that are disposable. Yeah.
0: And once you get in a hotel when you forget your razor. Totally.
1: And she just go <laughs> at it on her face. And I said, well, do you, are, you have a hairy face? Is that the issue? She said, no, this is all about exfoliating your face. So it turns out that when you shave your face, it is like the best exfoliation you could possibly do. and Because you're, you're taking
0: off a layer of skin, You're basically. taking
1: off the dead cells of the skin. And there is an argument that men's faces age better than women's because they shave their faces.
0: <gasps> mm-hmm. Okay, is that why men... You know how we get the, like, pucker wrinkles? You know, the ones I'm talking about around yes. your lips? What are yes. those called?
1: Um... You know, know I know just kind of like those, like those kissy wrinkles, right? Around the lips. Yeah. like Women get those way worse than men. Is that why? I, well, it could be possible now, you know, I Mm -hmm. haven't done any scientific study myself on the subject, but that is the argument. So also removing all of that. So they call it vellus hair, which is just basically peach fuzz, right? I don't have any hair on my face that is like the hair on my head, but I do have white really fine peach fuzz all over my cheeks that you know if you're like in a certain light you can kind of see it right there so by removing the hair from the face not only are you exfoliating it but it leaves a perfectly smooth canvas for makeup application for your skincare to absorb into the skin like serums or oils or you know treatments you use after you wash your face it absorbs much easier because you don't have that vellus hair So, I don't know. People are loving it. Doctor's office do it. They call it dermaplaning because they want to make it sound, you know, way
0: more serious. And it is a little more intense in a doctor's office. Well, yeah, I actually have a friend who is a licensed cosmetologist. And we were having a girls' night, and she dermaplaned a few of our faces. (laughs) She she did it? Yeah. And so, it is a little different in that it's a pretty serious razor almost more like a surgical razor and i think you know all of our faces were a little pink after so it it didn't feel like it, it was it was heavier duty i think it was taking off a little bit more than you know a drugstore yes. razor
1: would. I agree. I think that they use a 10-inch scalpel, and it like has that sharp yeah. point on the end. It does. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. So the ones yes. that are the most popular to use, I can't even say this without laughing. Why would anyone name their razor
0: this? But they're called the Tinkle Razors. <laughs> Well, let me just tell you, I know about the tinkle razors because I'm I'm a little scared that I'm now mentioning the show The Bachelor twice in a self-care podcast. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do, ladies. But one um, Michelle Money, who is a longtime bachelor veteran, did a video on her shaving her face with the tinkle. And I was like, what? (laughs) But she says the same thing that it takes the hair. Well, she, she does it because she thinks no one should have the peach fuzz. Right. Which I don't know. I'm kind of like, listen, like that's just a little too far that we have to take off all the peach fuzz. I agree. But yeah, she uses the tinkles. She loves the tinkle. And I I
1: laugh because that was the very first video when I started my extensive research on face shaving. That was the first video I saw was Michelle Money.
0: (laughs) Well, it has like millions of views. So obviously people are interested. I mean, I think that this is interesting to people for, you know, the skincare reasons. But I also think a lot of people are interested in this topic because they they have facial hair to remove. I mean, yes, a lot of women remove their facial hair, whether it be, you know, a little too much eyebrows or a mustache or what I have now that I've hit past 40, I only had peach fuzz before, but once I hit, well, this probably started in my late 30s, I have like white whiskers. So the peach fuzz turned into like wiry gray hair that, or white hair that like glistens in the sun. Where? So, on my chin. On your chin, like on the bottom of your chin? On my chin. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Nasty. It's super, super unflattering. So I, um, I don't know. I like, I can't get my head around the idea of shaving like a man, like shaving that hair off. So I usually just pluck it. <laughs> but I don't know, I, you know, I think it's, it's me just going like, I just, I don't know. Like, I remember my aunt Vi shaving her face. Like I can't, I, I can't. know it, it's hard to get past that. And then plus the, yeah. the the fears,
1: which are untrue fears, but they're the fears that the shaved hair will grow back darker or coarser or faster, which that's simply not true. When you shave, it doesn't change the number of your hair follicles. It doesn't change the way the rate or the, the growth of the hair so like that's well not happen, but okay,
0: that may not happen but if you 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 if you have wiry or thick hair on your face and you do the face shaving it fe- it will feel yes. like stubble as it grows in which if you're making out with someone might be <laughs> off-putting if they're feeling your stubble
1: <laughs> and i think that's what's holding me back i mean not the making out part but the just the I know as a fact that's not going to happen. And all I have is just this peach fuzz that no one else really sees. I'm just afraid. I don't know. Like when it grows back. Because, yeah, when you cut it off bluntly on the edge, it does come out blunt. You don't have that fine tip like you well, do when it's growing out. So I don't know, Kristen. Well, have you? So have you tried the tinkles yet? Have you tried them? Girl, no. I bought them, but I just stared oh, at them. I just stare you at them. you got to try them. I, I, on my face? Yes. I don't know. I That's why you them. bought them? Well, I know. I'm just waiting
0: for more people to do it. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> well, I bu- I tried it. i I bought them. I tried it. So, I will say the peach fuzz regrowth is really unnoticeable at least for me. Okay. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like um you know, stubble or like your legs do for me, the peach fuzz on the side of the face was fine. Grew back in whatever, nothing. I don't think I would probably do it again. Cause I don't really care about that hair. Right. Um, but if you do the tinkle over, you know, like chin hairs or mustache, if you have like, you know, coarser hair mm-hmm. that does grow in kind of weird. Okay. Well, this <laughs> like is stubbly. good. This is good information
1: to know, but I'm, you gotta I'm, try it, Sarah. Well, I would, I mean, just because you know what I do, <laughs> for I'm a green beauty blogger, so I try yes. all of this natural skincare all yes. day long to write about, and I right. do kind of. I'm very intrigued by the thought of not having any peach fuzz and having that product mm-hmm. be able to penetrate more readily. So yeah. I'm getting close. I'm I'm getting uh-huh. there. I'm getting
0: there. See, this is and this is why it's fun that we're doing this podcast together because this is a personality difference. You will research the tinkle you'll buy it but you'll you'll continue your research and maybe in five months you will have read enough to try it and i will see a video by someone who was on the bachelor and i'll order it on amazon and try it the day it comes like okay i know i'll do this
1: <laughs> this is so me. Um, this is what this is. This is me. This is, Sarah. This is what I do. I research yes. the crap out of things. <laughs> I have do. a lot of information in my head that needs you to come do. out. But it might be good to, you know, be practical
0: and actually do it. One day, maybe. I think you should try it. Well, I I will say being impulsive doesn't always work out because on the tip of hair removal, the other day I bought wax strips to deal with my little chin whiskers. Okay. And I did the chin whiskers. And then of course, what happens when you have wax strips out, you just go, I'm going to do more things. Oh no. So then I start waxing my entire face. (laughs) I waxed the peach fuzz just because, which, again, I actually don't care about the peach fuzz. I just think life is life. Whatever. People are hairy. But I waxed all that. And then, like, over the next week, I got all, I got totally broken out. (gasps) No. Like, all these, like, whiteheads from waxing. Yeah. So anyway, I would not recommend waxing off your Peach fuzz, A, because it hurts, um, but B, because it could break you out. And also, let's okay. just all... Can we just all agree that we can have peach fuzz? Like, that that's not a new thing that we have to remove? <laughs> I, I can't, I I'm tired. Say, can we please... I mean, we have to remove everything else. Can we leave, can we leave the peach just fuzz? Just leave us our peach fuzz. I'll get the whiskers off the chin, but I'm just... The peach fuzz is staying. Save the peach fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Should we talk about what we're talking about next week? Yes, you guys. We <laughs> we have many things to discuss next week. Next week, we are having the period episode. Oh, I mean, ladies, hold on to your horses. <laughs> Get I ready. have to say, I feel like every time I'm in, I'm around a group of women, we start talking about periods, and there's so much to say there from the emotional aspect of periods, and it's funny. I had a friend just this week post about how. She would hide the tampons from her husband when she got her period because she didn't want him to know that the fight they had the night before (laughs) was really just PMS.
1: (laughs) Oh, girl. For the longest time, for the longest time, I thought that was just some crazy construct. I I was like, there is no such thing as PMS. And then I had kids and now I am, you know, 42. We're talking, I am in perimenopause land right now. And it is going down
0: it is look out oh my god we have a lot to say on the perimonopause the yeah oh yeah so yes join us much to say on the period episode (laughs) then we're also going to be talking (laughs) next week we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that second quadrant of the myers-briggs personality which is intuitive versus sensing which is the one sarah and i are different on so we'll talk about that
1: Yes. And then finally, how about a little brow
0: shaping for dummies? We're going to talk about brow shaping. I have a lot to say about that, too, because my brows are white. They are? Yeah.
1: Well, you do an excellent job. And you're gonna, uh, you're gonna have to roll with that because you know me with the bangs. I don't even know what my brows look like. They're just hidden, oh, hidden back I, there, which is a good my thing. My brows are a
0: lot of work. They're non-existent and then they're white as in like gray white. So, so I once will again, give much advice. A random mishmash of this <laughs> <laughs> Yes, all relating back to self-care in some way or the other. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at Selfie Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website
1: to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd
0: Audio for our intro music. Take care.